Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Well, we're thrilled today to have Reverend Joe Morris with us. And, uh, you know, I just met Reverend Morris yesterday for the first time. And uh, we've been in meetings together. I knew who he was, but we really uh, had never uh, met each other officially. And, uh, you know, like he said this morning in my office, you meet some people and it's almost like you've known them all of your life. And, uh, and, he, and he mentioned that this morning to me. He said, yeah, I said, well, it's the people we know. We all, have, we all know the same people. We fed, uh, you know, at the same brook, praise God. And, uh, and so uh, it's, it's just wonderful to have people of like precious faith. And so Brother Morris, though I hadn't met him until today, I've heard about him for many, many years. Uh, just a stellar, above reproach uh, reputation and uh, well-spoken of everywhere. And so we're thrilled to have him today, to minister today and tonight. And uh, church, do we, do, do we want the brakes to be put on or do we want him to be let loose? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Brother Morris, come, and uh, you just dropped something out of your Bible. I'm not sure if it's on behind your left heel. I don't know if that's important or not. Okay. All right. Come on, brother. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. Good to see you this morning. What a blessing to be here. I just, I love the utterance that's here and the hunger that's here for Jesus. You can tell by the songs you sing and by your worship that, that we want to honor Him and magnify Him and glorify Him. <clears throat> I still have the mint in my mouth. Oh, it came up quicker than I thought, so let me get my mint chewed up. But uh, there's, a, there's such an utterance in here because of your love for Jesus. You know, if He be lifted up, He'll draw all men unto Him. So, you know, we gather uh, because we love him and we want to honor him because he gave his life for us. I mean, I hear people go, gosh, you guys worship so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. He died for us. He gave his life for us. So we're, we're appreciative. We're appreciative of all the things he did for us. So when we gather like this, that's the first thing that happens. Like, wow, you died for us, so we want to honor you, Jesus. And I love your songs. You know, you don't want to be weird, but this is a season of a lot of whining songs, a lot of begging songs. <laughs> and you're like, you know, that's not really worship. This is worship. So because uh, we want to lift him up and magnify him and glorify him. Man, you, you, uh, you could go home blessed right now just after that. Isn't that right? It's just righteous and proper that we honor him like that. Coming a day so soon, that's what we'll get into today, is how, how soon we'll go from faith to sight. And think of how we worship now, but all of a sudden we're going to be standing before the throne, uh, a sea of glass as clear as crystal. Crystals, the only element that, that won't hide a flaw, will be flawless before the throne of God. And you talk about shouting, you talk about magnifying, I believe there'll be new, new tones come out of our throat. We're going to be so happy to be there. Hallelujah. And what a wild time on the planet, you know, when you live in a, 2020 is going to go down in a, one of the weirdest years ever. But, uh, you know, Jesus did say in Matthew 24, there would be things that were basically contractions or labor pains that would be on the earth that wouldn't be tribulation, but would be leading up to tribulation, but they would be so severe you can't ignore them, just like a woman going into labor. So we're blessed that we know what the Bible says so that we can have zero fear, we can have boldness, we can have daringness to launch out, because Jesus said, when you see these things, lift up your heads. Isn't that amazing? He, that you could be in the middle of all these things happening that are pointing to His return, and you could be downtrodden. 
So his whole thought pattern about end times is lift up your heads. I don't want you sad. I want you happy. I want you expectant. I want you hopeful. So everything we'll get into today about how close we are to the coming of the Lord is to get you to accelerate, not to slow down. So that's what we want. We, we don't see the finish line and go, hmm, let me see. Is that really the finish line? No. All the things that we look at are so blatant and so clear and so exact. We'll go, wow, there's the finish line. Let's run and let's finish what we've been called to do. I believe this is a season of renewal of assignments. I think 2020 is going to be a year that will go down where, we, where God rekindled things in our hearts from years ago. Uh, just talking with your pastors, just like he said, I, I feel like I've known them forever because we all know some of the same people. And, and the, 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 the assignment on your pastors in this church is so cool. I believe this will be a season of overflow. I think it's going to shock you how fun it's going to be all the way up to the rapture of the church. In the midst of weirdness in the earth, in the church there will be great strength, great boldness, great grace. Almost a, a zeal to do the will of God, like a renewal of fuel where you go, man, I can't help but run my race. I've heard the Holy Ghost say that right before the coming of the Lord, it would almost be like special faith on the entire church all the time. Like it would be hard, it would be hard to work up a care. It would even be hard to get agitated. It would be such a season of heaven before we get to heaven to where it's almost hard to get mad. I'll take that. Praise the Lord. Amen. I wish uh, Colleen was here with me. I have a, a lovely wife. She's back in Tulsa and uh, sends her greetings. We were with our grandbaby this last week and, and so had a great time. So she sends her greetings. She's a Raymond graduate from 95. And uh, she preached in Nepal, preached in Africa, moved to Bangkok by herself when she was 26. So I'm blessed to have a crazy missionary wife. Amen. <laughs> And uh, I just feel so at home here. There's such utterance. I, uh, you could basically just prophesy or go wild, but I know we have a lot to get into. So uh, we're going to uh, jump right in full speed. And I know it's a lot of information. And I heard a guy say to me one time, he goes, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's right. <laughs> it's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So the, all the purpose of all the info, tons of info today, we'll get into all the signs and how close we are and how clear it is, but it's all because he loves you so much. He wants you strengthened. He wants you filled. He wants you uh, just filled with joy, filled with grace. And he has a, really kind of has a style he wants before we leave. And that's mercy, kindness, power. All the facets of Jesus is what he wants us to see. So, so grab your Bibles there and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> now, why don't we go to 2 Peter and we'll start here. We'll pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for, for dying for us. We're amazed and in awe that you let yourself be tormented, beaten, and spit upon, but you're raised from the dead. Lord, we thank you for this season. Help us display the resurrection. Help us display that death could not hold you down. We thank you for your kindness and your mercy. We're, we're in awe of your mercy. We're in awe of your goodness and your kindness. And Father, we'll be, we'll be quick to say we'll do what you've all called us to do. I thank you that every person in this room will finish their course with joy. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've given this church over the years, what you've given Impact Family Church, Lord. We thank you for renewal of assignments, renewal of boldness, renewal of grace. That, Father, we'll finish off the church age with, with your style, harvest, souls being swept into the kingdom. So I thank you for blessing every household in here, Lord. Thank you. This will be the best year they've ever had, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. Now, you know, we'll get into in times today, and we'll get into it because Paul talked about the baptism 12 times the coming of the Lord 52 times. It's amazing how all throughout the book, the thread is uh, Jesus is coming back. I mean, the prophecies about the first coming, flawless. I mean, if you get into the, uh, 
if you want to stay at the statistics of the, pers- of the first coming of the Lord are so amazing. Uh, for every one verse there is about the first coming, eight times more about the second coming. So very documented. You know, I hear people say, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. But yet he put more verses in the Bible about what it would look like than anything in the Bible. Because I, I know that we'd have an, a, a chance to go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, it'd be like saying, I can't tell when I'm going to get to Orlando. I'm on I-75, and maybe it's uh, 115 miles. Well, you can't tell when you're going to get to Orlando. Well, the signs will tell you. You've got 80 miles, and you've got 70 miles. You've got 50 miles. So the signs bring you peace. I'm on my way toward Orlando. So you don't go, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it to Orlando. No, the signs show you I'm headed that way. We'll look at some things today that show us we're headed toward the coming of the Lord. The amazing thing is they're super clear, super easy to get, and there is no bad news for the church. Zero. If you hear if you hear end time preaching and it scares you, that's not Bible. Uh, we might kick over some sacred cows this morning, but once we get into the truth of the word, I mean, because people will put their tradition ahead of the word. When it comes to righteousness, we're word people. Comes to healing, we're word people. Comes to end times, people have taken tradition over the word. The word's super clear about how we can tell how close we are. Now, I'm not going to give you the day that he's coming, but I can tell you the season. Once we go through all the signs, we'll go, oh, my God, I'm about to see Jesus face to face. It kind of hits you that once the signs preach for themselves, Jesus is coming. So we're blessed. We're privileged, super privileged that we have the technology to go, wow, this is happening, this is happening. We'll get into the signs that happened years ago. We'll get into things that happened two weeks ago. So we're we're blessed to watch them all coming to a head because the king's coming back. There's some protocol for the entrance of the king. And then there's a voice that should come from the church, a voice of joy, a voice of victory, a voice of grace, a voice of happiness that we're about to see him. Just like in a wedding, everything we're going to get to is just like this. When Colleen and I were getting married, you know, I was standing there and she's walking down the aisle. I wouldn't want her bent over walking toward me. I'm standing there. This is so cool. There comes Colleen. This is the day we're getting married. And she's walking toward me. Oh, my God, I'm getting ready to marry that guy. Here we go. (laughs) Another one bites the dust. Could you imagine watching your bride walk down the aisle going, here we go. It's over. No, that would be kind of scary if that day was like the most depressing day of your life. And that's how it is for the church. Jesus wants us to lift up our heads. The greatest event for our lives is about to happen. There should be such radical joy that people should tell you to break that pill in half. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Not some joy, fullness of joy. You, You can't hang out with Jesus and say the same. Everything about him lifts you up. You know, at the second coming, the Bible says that the, the, the temple is going to go up in the air and the water from the uh, Dead Sea is going to come by the throne of Jesus and it'll go out and quicken all the waters of the earth. It gets near him and it quickens the whole earth. Just getting near. He's so filled with life, it gets close to him and it quickens the earth. Well, he's not near you, he's in you. Hallelujah. He's in you, praise the Lord. So grab your Bibles, go there to 2 Peter if you would, 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll start here, and we'll get into a lot of things, and we'll get into some keys that make it super easy and fun. So 2 Peter chapter 3, let's run through these verses. Verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So he's writing this to them to stir them up, and notice he calls you his beloved. The tone changes from the Gospels, from the Epistles, okay? If you get your end-time preaching from the Gospels, he's talking to boys under the law, Jewish boys under the law. Once you get into the Epistles, you have to. this is a huge thing about understanding end-time preaching. You have to look at it through the lens of who you are in Christ. 
If you look at it through the Gospels, you'll feel like you don't qualify. Because you don't, he hasn't been raised from the dead. Once he's raised from the dead, you're his beloved. Once he's raised from the dead, you're him. Now, I may be the hangnail in the body of Christ, but at least I'm in the body. Amen? Come on. You know how your buddies tell you what you are? Joe, you're the hangnail. Okay, but I'm in. Praise the Lord. As long as I'm in the body, I don't care. So he goes on a little further there. It says in verse 2 that you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, they'll come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So you kind of feel that creeping into the church. Well, I've been hearing the Lord's coming all my life. Well, you've been hearing that because he's coming. So the the tendency is to go, well, I've been hearing that so long, I don't know if he's really coming. Well, look at the next verse. Uh, Peter explains this via the Holy Spirit. He says in the next verse, For this they willingly are ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. He basically said here, uh, the flood came when no one believed the flood was coming. So, so when Noah was preaching, boy, I'd love to heard Noah's preaching. I'd love to heard the tone of, I, I believe Noah didn't get on the edge of the ark. Is everybody okay? Am, am I rocking the boat too much? I bet Noah was screaming, and I bet there was a sense of urgency about him. And even then, his, they may not have believed his preaching, but when all the animals started lining up two by two, I'd have gone, hmm, something's up. I can't even get my dog to get in my truck, much less get on a boat. Could, could you imagine herding animals to climb on a boat? I mean, that's supernatural. So, so change came when no one believed a change was coming. And that's kind of the feeling. It's sad that Hollywood feels more of a change than the church. they got movies about zombies, movies about the walking dead, because see, there's a resurrection coming, and they feel it, so they don't know how to explain it other than weirdness. You know what I'm saying? But there's a change coming. Jesus is coming. The church is going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. There's a lot of weird preaching about that. That's not going to happen. But Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Jesus was raptured. The church is going to be raptured. Uh, The mid-trib saints are going to be raptured. The two witnesses are going to be raptured. God's into taking people from from point A and taking them to point B. I'm in. (laughs) Okay? I hear people go, well, that's just an escape theology. Well, you actually have an appointment with the Lord. You're not supposed to be here during that seven years. It's seven years of old covenant time. We'll get into that maybe tonight. But notice this. Uh, he, he tells us the climate, scoffing. I don't believe that. Well, in the midst of that, let's be bold and quick to believe. Amen. I wasn't there when Moses split the Red Sea, but I believe it. I mean, I mean uh, you, you can talk about miracles now. Some people go, ah, that's kind of weird, brother. I was preaching in South Carolina a little while back this year, and uh, I had a word of knowledge at the end of the service that someone had damage in their uh, had carpal tunnel and their knees were damaged. I said, someone here, you have damage inside your nose. Called it out, no big deal. I preach on end time so much, I'm in a hurry, so I just call it out and say, you're healed. This guy, about, about seven feet tall, raised his hand and came walking down. A huge guy. He said, can I say something? And I'm like, okay, I'm a little scared to say that, but yeah, whatever. He said, hey, I don't know who you are, but my knees just got healed, my arms just got healed. And my wife had had some brain surgery this last week, and they went up through her nose and severed the inside of her nose. She just texted me and said, her nose is healed. So, so God's so cool, you don't even have to be in the service. I mean, think about it. You don't even have to be in the service and get healed. So, uh, but I'm quick to believe. Quick to believe. Quick to believe His Word. I don't, I don't critique His Word. I believe His Word. So the climate's like this, and even in the midst of this climate, you're in church. Hallelujah. So you've communicated to the Lord you love Him. Now hang with me. That's a big deal because some people nowadays, I don't feel like coming to church. Coming to church, you're communicating you love Him so much. 
It's the least we can do is to honor him by, by hearing his word. Amen? Amen? So let's get into something else. There's, there's other things why we get into end times. Obviously, uh, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. The only time he ever rebuked the crowd was when they didn't know their time. He said, hey, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour, your visitation. So he wanted them to know. He said, you can discern the sky, but you don't know uh, your visitation. So let's look at this in Isaiah, and this will help us. Buzz over to Isaiah chapter, um, chapter 46, and let's look at something else, why we preach on end times. Probably the, the number one reason for us in this day and age, think of a football game, whether it be whatever team you're for, Florida State or Florida Gators. I understood I was supposed to be cautious about that. <laughs> Could you imagine in a pro in the Super Bowl the clock's winding down and at the two minute warning comes? Could you imagine the quarterback going, "Hey, don't show me the clock"? No, you look at the play clock because the plays are more crucial at the end. You can drop the ball at the beginning of the game, but at the end of the game, it's just crucial. So the timing is a big deal. So the church has to see a two minute warning mentality. That's why when there's a two minute warning, you change, you hustle. You don't care about how tired you are. Could you imagine going back to the huddle, the quarterback go, "I need you to go deep." Well, my knees are hurting. No, you don't, you don't talk about your knees hurting. You go, I'm going deep. So the focus gets off of you and onto the game. Okay, so that has to get into the church. It's not about us. It's about harvest. And what can we do to finish this thing off in his style? Amen? So look at Isaiah. Look at this. So cool. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, I believe it is. And look at how this shows us the authenticity of the Bible. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. It just takes me a minute to get there, but run with me if you would. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. He said, Remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. This is pretty cool. He goes, This is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Pretty amazing. That's why the devil hates prophecy, because it shows you the authenticity of the Bible. Now, this is the only book that shows you future. You can talk to a Muslim, you can talk to a Buddhist. Their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. Hallelujah. He's been there, done that, made the T-shirt, made the earth, so we can rest. He's watching over his word to perform it. I mean, think about his, what he's already said about you. He's quickened you, he's raised you, he's seated you. He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So, so all those verses that we've heard over the years being Word of Faith people, he's watching over that word to perform it, and you can rely on him. Amen. So with that, listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible, and it just strengthens your faith about the signs of the coming of the Lord. Now watch, listen to this. I know it's a lot of info, but buzz with me for a moment. Uh, listen to this. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. See, he, he, he knows the future before we get there. Hallelujah. Amen. So with that... Uh, we'll look at all the things. Think about the first coming of the Lord. Now run with me just a little bit. The first coming of the Lord. It was prophesied that he'd be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. He would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. They would, he'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. 
He wouldn't open his mouth before his accusers. He'd wear a crown of thorns. I'd gamble over his robe. I like this one because this was cool. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross. I was witnessing to a Navy SEAL one time on a plane. I said, think about all these prophecies. I said, the odds of them coming to pass are 480 trillion times a billion times a trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros. In science, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance after that many zeros. It's flawless. So I was telling that Navy SEAL that. He goes, well, they read those prophecies and brought them all to pass. I said, an eclipse while Jesus is on the cross? <laughs> so if you don't want to believe, uh, you probably won't believe. I mean, because that's, that's, that's idiotic, ill-advised, witless, brainless. I, I'd call that stupid. And that's what that verse said there in 2 Peter. Stupid on purpose is what one translation says. That, that people on purpose will go, you gave me too many facts. I'm not going to believe. So what we'll get into now about how close we are is we'll kick over that thought pattern. You can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Yet we're going to look at sign after sign after sign after sign that shows us how close we are. And they're so cool. So buzz over to Luke 21 and let's go through them. Now as we get into Luke chapter 21, go to verse 24. These are all signs of the second coming. The rapture is signless. Now I'm just going to say a couple things as we get into the signs that are almost uh, shocking sometimes when you get into it. Okay, you can't find the rapture in the Gospels. There's one little hidden reference, but, but in, in the Gospels, he's still talking to Jewish boys and flawlessly fulfilling the law. Now hang with me. Like the ten virgins, uh, they need oil in their lamp. People think that's talking to the church. You don't need oil in your lamp. You're him. Would Jesus need oil in his lamp? Nope. You're him in this dispensation. As he is, so are we in this world. Now see, it gets quiet when you say that because that's what religion's taught us. In a minute here in Luke, he's going to say, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. I don't, pray, I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. It has nothing to do with what I've done. It has everything to do with what he's done. So the tone changes from the Gospels to the Epistles. I watch guys on TV preach things about the rapture, and it produces fear because he's talking to Jewish boys that are not saved yet. They need oil in their lamp. They need to pray that they might be accounted worthy. I don't have to pray that because he's already presented me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable on his side. So I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and take God at his word that Jesus purified me. I'm going to go ahead and go, you know what? The blood, the blood's so powerful, it made me perfect. All those doctrines downplay how powerful it was when Jesus shed his blood. The first thing you're going to see when you get to the throne, you'll see the rainbow, but you're going to see a basin right there in front of the Father. It's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners dip beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. You're going to go look at the price that was paid for my eternal salvation right there. Jesus of Nazareth poured out his life, raised from the dead, raised into heaven, poured out his blood, and he purchased you. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go look at all these signs here in Luke 21. There's so many. So let's run through them because they're so fun and so easy to get. Luke 21, look at verse 24, and we'll start with these signs here. Luke 21, verse 24. <clears throat> They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Look how uh, nice the Lord is to give us such a, a big sign of city being won back. Not one miracle in Topeka or one miracle in New Jersey, uh, a whole city won back. Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem won back, time's up. When did that happen? 1967. 
the Six-Day War, the Jews got Jerusalem back. Now, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything revolves around the piece of real estate where Jesus is going to reign forever. Lucifer wants that spot so bad. I mean, if you ever sold real estate, what's it all about? Location, location, location. <laughs> the devil's so stupid that in Jerusalem, he builds a mosque everywhere <laughs> the Lord did something important. In other words, there's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where the ascension was. There's a mosque right there. What happened? Uh, that's where he, the, the whipping post was. Everywhere the Lord did something cool, the devil thinks he could put a mosque over it to cover it. All it did was give you a tour guide. You go, the Lord must have done something cool there. That's right. The Lord must have done something cool there. That's right. Even in the Dome of the Rock in Arabic, it says in Arabic, in the middle of the Temple Mount, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. Gave His life for you. Coming back for you. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're blessed. So Jesus ties it to a city. We'll go through a little bit more of it, but you know, you talk about the miracles that happen. They're so cool, you can look on YouTube and, and Google against, or YouTube against all odds. They interview these guys in the Six-Day War. They're sweet Jewish men, and they go, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. <laughs> they don't, it's hard for them to believe in it after the fact. But you remember the Egyptian army was barreling down toward Israel, 88 Egyptian tanks coming into Jerusalem there in 1967, the Six-Day War, and Israel's like surrounded. One Israeli cook goes out and goes, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a bang. He jumps into a tank, figures out how to load shells into the torrent, and starts firing shells at 88 Egyptian tanks. One Israeli tank with a cook in it firing shells at 88 Egyptian tanks. The Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag in the morning. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. He's ready to go, highest ranking officer. The cook goes, it's just me. And that Egyptian goes, oh, no, it's not just you. The whole night the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white on the front of them. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. So Jerusalem was won back. There's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Because time was up. And we'll get into that here in just a minute. Because things happened in 1917. And 50 years later, one Jubilee, 1967, Jerusalem's won back. And the Lord's so sweet. He goes, hey, when you see that, uh, the times of the Gentiles is pretty much up. But watch him get even clearer. Look at verse 29. Look what he says in verse 29. He goes in verse 29, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. And all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel, they've all changed their names in the last hundred years almost. Verse 30, this is so cool. Verse 30, when they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is night hand. He said, you don't even have to be told this. You could see this and you could know this. Remember Kenneth Hagin prophesying about a spirit of seeing and knowing on the church right before the coming of the Lord. Where's that from? That verse right there. So he said here, you could see and know of your own self that summer's coming. Uh, it's pretty cool. And look at the next verse. Likewise, I love this. Likewise, or just as bold as you are about a season change when the trees bud, be just as bold about this. Likewise, when you see these things, what things? Jerusalem being won back and the fig tree budding. These things, those two things. When you see them, watch what he says. When you see these things come to pass, no. You ought to circle the word no. He didn't say sense. He didn't say perceive. He didn't say be clueless about. He said, when you see these things, you can know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now get ready for the next verse. Buckle up. Look what he says in the next verse. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. So the group of people that sees Israel regathered in bud, that's 1948, 
And Jerusalem won back in 1967. He said, that group of people won't, won't pass away until all is fulfilled. I hear people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Now, that's two signs. I can give you 50. Jesus said those main two, if you're part of that group, you're it. I mean, the amazing thing is all the, the, the things that have happened in the last hundred years. So let's just talk about a little bit of it for a second. 1917. This is really cool. Allenby. There's a lot of movies about 1917, World War I. Allenby, an Australian general, flies into Israel in a biplane. <laughs> Before he came, they pass out leaflet. Allen, Allenby's leaflets. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. They didn't know that his name in Arabic meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So the Turks dropped their weapons. They thought, well, we can't fight against God. Dropped their weapons and turned the land over to Israel in 1917. Pretty big year. Same year Kenneth Hagin was born. The Lord appeared to his mother, told him to name him John. <laughs> she didn't name him John. Uh, she goes, I don't like that name. I'll name him Kenneth. Don't you love that? Jesus tells you what to name your kid, and you argue with the Lord. And uh, all the Lord said to his mother was he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. <laughs> you know, I preached in Rama, Italy, uh, seven different Rama, Switzerland's, Rama, Norway, Rama, Australia, Rama, Germany. Name a country that Brother Hagen's ministry hasn't affected through sowing the word. No fanfare, sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. These nations have gotten ready for the coming of the Lord through the entrance of the word. Okay, what's Hagen mean in the Hebrew? It's supposed to be named John. What's Hagen mean in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. It's the identical definition of John the Baptist. Pretty crazy. I have a friend of mine that was in Mark Brzee's church in Tulsa. And there was a lady there that she's going to write a book. She died and went to heaven. You know how they write books about after they go to heaven? And she got defibrillated and got, came back to the earth. Thank God for technology. And she's in heaven talking to Jesus. She goes, look, there's Kenneth Hagin. Jesus said, you mean John? <laughs> so if your name's supposed to be John, you're supposed to be John, okay? <laughs> I know people get weird about all that, but you know what? Uh, uh, he's basically done what he's called to do regardless of what his name is. So we're, we're a part of destiny. So let's run through some of the signs. Let's go through a lot of them. We got, I mean, we got two main ones, and that's uh, Israel made a nation of Jerusalem on back. He said, if you see those two, you're it. And look at the next verse. Heaven and earth will pass away or be altered, but my words can't be altered. You can't change this. The group that sees these two. So we're privileged. We've got the two main signs, Israel being restored. You could preach for years on that. I mean, people coming back to their land. Think of Israel being regathered. Think of World War II. Think of Hitler killing six million Jews right before they're regathered. Lucifer thought, if I can annihilate them, I can keep the word of God from coming to pass. But just before they're regathered, six million are killed. What God's done, he's brought Jews from all over the earth back to the land of Israel because he's going to court Israel and it's going to be just like Joseph. He'll present himself to his brethren at the very end. It's the most amazing love story, most amazing plan you've ever seen before in your life. When Colleen and I were dating, she was living in California and we were dating by text. I said, man, I can't convey emotion by text. I moved her from California to Tulsa so we could date and court and see each other. God's moved Israel from all over the earth uh, back to that piece of real estate so he can court her and he's about to manifest himself to her because there's a change coming. God's coming to the planet. Jesus is coming. Oh, come on, Jesus of Nazareth. Come on, the first time he came, you talk about under the radar. You, you can't get much more under the radar than a, born in a manger. This time he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. 
that He's Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. So you're watching all these alterations in nations that we'll get into. They're all setups for the entrance of the King. This is the time for the Son to be magnified, the Son to be glorified. That's why it's called the Book of Revelation. He'll be revealed to the earth as the King. The, the true uh, ownership of the earth is brought right there. Oh, come on. He made 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars like our sun just so he'd have twinkle lights at night. This is the way God thinks. He thinks really big. And at the entrance of the king at the second coming is so violent, there's no more mountains. It vibrates all the mountains apart. A six-foot-tall being is so filled with power that the mountains can't handle it. Wow. Mm. So let's look at some of the other signs. Let's go through them. All right, number one, after these two, would be the Hebrew language restored. Pretty cool. God said, okay, just before the coming of the Lord, I'll restore unto them a pure language. So never has that happened in history. You can't find people speaking Canaanite. You can't find them speaking Amorite, Hittite, <laughs> uh, but you can find them speaking Hebrew. One man, Eliehud ben Yehudi, said, you know what? We used to speak Hebrew here. We ought to speak Hebrew. One guy goes, okay, let's do it. In the last 115 years, completely restored. I remember one year I was in Israel, 2000, I believe it was 2001, right after 9-11. Now, I'm from Louisiana. I'm, from, I'm a hillbilly from Louisiana. And my buddies got me to go in and meet with Ariel Sharon. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to meet with the prime minister. What am I going to do? So you go in this room where the black and white pictures are of Ixac Rabin and Golda Meir and all, all the, you know, the guys of Israel. And uh, I'm kind of freaking out and nervous, you know. So while I'm waiting for them to come in, I'm going to meet with Ariel Sharon. I thought, I'll get me a pencil that has some Hebrew writing on it. That'd be a cool uh, 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 you know, souvenir just to grab it. I picked it up, and it was from Iowa. Well, that's not cool. <laughs> but as I'm standing there, I can hear them walking down the hall, speaking flawless Hebrew. 115 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew. It's a miracle. God restored that language in your lifetime. So he brought Israel back in your lifetime. Got Jerusalem one back in your lifetime. Got the language restored in your lifetime. Why? Jesus is about to come. Okay, after that, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. How cool. Uh, 18,000 airlifted in one day. Israel sent these C-130s right down into Ethiopia and, and brought them out. <laughs> it's the first time that the manifest on the plane said 180 passengers. And when the plane landed, they had 187. Well, there were ladies having babies on those planes. Listen, Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News. He said an exodus, <laughs> he said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Talking about the Ethiopian Jews being brought out. Listen, when CNN is preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. Jesus is coming back. I mean, that's pretty radical to quote an Exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Pretty, pretty amazing. So right then, they were all regathered and brought back. Why? Because God said, I'll do this just before the coming of the Lord. So you got event after event after event because God said it would happen. So we're living when all these verses are coming to pass. How blessed are we to be that generation that verse after verse after verse after verse coming to pass. And we got tons more, so let's go through them. you got the, 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 the revival of the Roman Empire. The United States of Europe, God uh, had all these nations come together just like the United States of America. But you know what? On their money is the woman from the book of Revelation. <coughs> you can go to the building in Strasbourg, France, the Capitol building. It's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. I mean, even the writings that they have, we'll make our own selves to be gods. We don't need religion. We don't need God. I mean, it's exactly like the Tower of Babel. 
You can go to the building, and all the markings on the inside of it are from Nebuchadnezzar. Outside the building, there's a molecule of iron, a piece of art, because Daniel saw iron and clay. So you have the revival of the Roman Empire. What's that for? A platform for the Antichrist. So you have all these things set up. Man, the world is set up for a reset. Okay, all these countries that owe so much money, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. If you start using our money or take our, our funds, we're going to reset you and you'll go to zero. So look how everybody's ready for that because there's coming a time where the Antichrist is coming on the scene. You know, I love all those pictures on TV, the most shocking photographs of the Antichrist. No, he can't be revealed until you leave because you have so much power. You can't have the Christ here and the Antichrist here at the same time. The Bible calls you Christ. As soon as we depart, he can be revealed. You're withholding him. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? You have so much authority, Jesus has to take you off the earth. You dictate what's happened during the tribulation. You speak, to, you speak to mountains. You speak to asteroids. This last week, one asteroid came within 1,800 miles of the earth. The day before the elections, there's another asteroid coming. Two weeks ago, there was one that was 200,000 miles. This last week, it was 1,800 miles an asteroid that they found after the fact. I think their, their, their telescopes aren't as good as they need to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so there's a lot of changes coming. Changes coming to the earth. There's so much stuff you can get into, but I want to keep moving. So you got Israel made a nation, Jerusalem went back. You got the language restored. Ethiopian Jews brought back. Revival of the Roman Empire. All these tangible physical things. The next one's pretty cool because it's the fertility of the land of Israel. It's, this preaches for Israel. In other words, they're so blessed... Now, this morning I had a banana and I had an apple. What if it said made New Jersey? Eat a pear, made New Jersey. Eat a banana, made New Jersey. You go, man, what's up with New Jersey? Israel's the size of New Jersey and produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Think if New Jersey produced 90% of the fruit for all of America. You go, man, something's up with New Jersey. I mean, the times that I've been to Israel, you go up on the Golan Heights. That's on the northern border of Israel. And you can look at the grass and you can see where Syria starts. No one has to tell you where Syria starts. It's dirt. There's no grass. The grass is so lush and dark green. I asked my buddies, Israelis, I go, what do you guys do? Do you sprinkler this? Do you use Scott Super Turf Builder? He goes, we don't do anything to it. To get my grass to look like their grass, i got to use Scott Super Turf Builder four times a year. I've got to water it, and i got to talk to it. Come on, grass. Come on, boys. Let's do it. Come on. Let's have some good dark grass. I talk to it. I fertilize it. I water it. I still can't get it as dark as Israel's grass, all because God said his word said, I'll make, the gra- I'll make the dirt preach for me. So it's so blossomed that Mark Twain was there 120 years ago. He said, the land is so desolate, it won't support life. Yet now it's completely prosperous and blessed and beautiful. Amen. So that preaches to us how close we are to the coming of the Lord. But you've got other signs. Let's go through some of them. We'll get to, get to some really cool ones because I want to run through the signals here before we dismiss. you got, uh, this one's crazy. Uh, because you had an Israeli ornithologist. I was watching the Animal Planet one time. The only reason I know what an ornithologist is was my brother was one. That's a bird specialist. He went to college for nine years. My dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. Like, wow, that's weird. <laughs> nine years of college to play poker. But anyway, studied bird. God makes so many birds, you've got to go to college for nine years to figure out birds. Come on. So she said this is the most largest, ga- this is in Israel, an Israeli ornithologist, it's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species of predatory birds. That's pretty radical. Why? After the rapture, you have the Ezekiel 38 war. 
and, and, and God calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later, at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. So you have the cleanup crew in Israel right now. So you got them moved back to their land. you got the language restored. you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. And the cleanup crew's there. Why? Because Jesus is about to come back. Let's go through some more. These are some things that happened this last year. This is what's freaky. Uh, Ezekiel prophesied that just before the coming of the Lord, there'd be fish in the Dead Sea. Guess when the fish showed up in the Dead Sea? Last year. Okay, about probably four months ago, foxes showed up on the Temple Mount. That's Lamentations 5.18. That when, when the land, the Temple Mount is so desolate that, that, that foxes will show up. That happened about four months ago. Okay, about four weeks ago, the temple baths around the exterior part of the Temple Mount filled up with water. First time in 2,000 years. The rabbis are going like, wow, the Messiah is about to come. The Messiah is about to come. Sea of Galilee filled up with water. The rabbi said the Messiah is about to come. So tangible things. Russia's got nine bases in Syria. Why? Because the Bible says Russia's going to come down on Israel right after the rapture. So Russia's in position to do that. The amazing thing is the things that happened last week. The nations that are still supporting Israel, the Arab nations, they're the ones that are not mentioned in Ezekiel 38. So it's pretty cool the Bible was correct thousands of years ago, the alliances that would take place just before the coming of the Lord. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. There's one more we'll get into uh, before we get to the signals because they're really cool. Uh, is this? I, don't, I was telling Pastor Edwin last night, uh, I don't talk about rabbis very much because I can't really prove their life or whatever, but Rabbi Iksat Kaduri was one of the famous rabbis in Israel. He got saved in 2005. Why? Jesus appeared to him. How cool. And it so freaked him out because he, he, you know, he says, Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus appears, I'm the Messiah. <laughs> so, so it didn't take him long to what we'd call repent. So he gets saved. And he knew it would freak the rabbis out. So he said, after my, because he was like 105 years old. He said, after my death, uh, here's a letter to be opened. It's some other prophecies that he did in 2005, 2006. So he dies. They open the letter up a year later. He said, I've come to know Jesus as the Messiah. But he also prophesied in that letter in 2006 that just before the coming of the Lord, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. Four weeks ago, Israel said, let's have Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz be joint rulers of the nation of Israel. So you got the nation ruled by exactly who God said it would be ruled by just before the coming of the Lord. I love what Daniel saw about you. Isn't it cool to have heaven talk about you? He, he, Daniel saw the last group of people said they'd know their God, they'd be strong, and they would do exploits. Hallelujah. How cool is that? So we have tons of signs. Men will be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. A guy almost got ran over by a car. He's walking down the road, the middle of the road, taking pictures of himself with two selfie sticks. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that this is a season to take more pictures of ourselves? That's what the Bible said you'd see. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we have tangible sign after tangible sign. You have the Temple Mount Institute. Because I want to get to some more, so just hang with me. Everybody give me a couple more minutes. You're with me? How many glad you came today? Come on, are you glad you're in church? How many glad you're here not in jail? Come on, praise the Lord. All right. I mean, the, the whole purpose of this is, you know, my daughter in high school was a cross-country runner, and she trained every single day. I mean, she, she trained so much that while she was in the races, she wouldn't be fatigued. So I would train with her on my motorcycle. I'd go right beside her, and while she's running, I'm, ri I'm literally riding beside her going, you're doing great, Lauren, you're doing great. I would be tired after getting back than she would be, and she ran for four miles. How weird is that? So I'd go to her, her cross-country events on Saturdays. I'd go Saturday mornings, and I'd go preach. 
And her cross-country events are about three to five miles long. First, I'd go to the first mile marker. Lauren comes running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? Lauren, pace yourself. you got a couple more miles. I'd cut across the field, go to the next mile marker. She comes running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? Lauren, you got another mile. Pace yourself. She's trying to figure out how much energy to exert. Well, we'd get to the last mile marker. I'd run over there. She wouldn't look at me. She'd see the finish line. Her countenance would change. All of that training was for right there. You don't slow down when you see the finish line. You accelerate. Man, that change came on her. I started screaming at her, run, Lauren, run, run, Forrest. <laughs> I was screaming bloody murder because this is what counts. The first part of the race is fun, but man, you, you, you push. You push at the end. It's the most exciting part of the race. This is the most exciting part of your le- life. You're going to look back at the last days of the church age and go, I was all in. I gave it my all. Could you imagine training and training and training? And oh, there's the finish line. Oh, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll see if I can. No, we don't fit church into our life. It is our life. So there's an attitude of, of, of obedience and diligence to do His will. A zeal to finish your course. So all the signs should push us to do that. Hallelujah. So you have the Temple Mount Institute. Now, I want to get to the signals here in just a second. But the Temple Mount Institute's crazy. You have a group of Jewish men. Their last name's Cohen. They're priests. They've been going to school for 30 years, ready to start having sacrifices. They have everything ready. They have the menorah. They have all the instruments. They needed the oil of anointing. They found it out where the Dead Sea Scrolls are, and they, they tested it. It's the exact ingredients from the book of Leviticus. They're ready to the point. This last April, they, they told Benjamin Netanyahu, the Sanhedrin did, we've got to do a, a sacrifice on the Temple Mount. Well, you can't do that. All hell will break loose, and we'll have World War III, because that's basically what's going to happen over the Temple Mount. Well, they took a truck and took an altar and let, let, let this uh, kind of, you can call it, makeshift altar right there by the edge of the Temple Mount and had sacrifices right there. Because they're pushing to have sacrifices. Why? They're getting ready to revert back to seven years of Old Covenant time. And that's what the tribulation is. Now, God's so merciful, the tribulation is really the mercy of God. There's going to be fireworks everywhere. You've got asteroids hitting the earth. You've got water turning to blood. During the tribulation period, the, God's going to be so active that people won't be able to say, oh, I didn't know anything was going on. People are fishing. They're not catching much. Well, the water turned to blood. Hello? You know, asteroids are hitting, and a third of the waters will be, be, be spoiled. So it's really seven years of fireworks. You know, I was in high school when I was dating girls. I had a certain place I'd pull over on every single date. I'd pull over on this spot, and I'd go to the back of the car, open up the trunk, and I'd shoot fireworks off. So I'd say, you can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> I didn't do it once. I did it many times. So that seven-year period is, is fireworks because of God's love and His mercy. He doesn't want people to go to hell. So it's going to be so in-your-face I say that because the Temple Mount Institute is ready for that seven-year period. They have everything ready. The Sanhedrin this last week is inspecting a red heifer for sacrifice. Okay, so all the... There, I mean, if you could talk about all the things for that, it would t- take you all day, but it freaks me out that the, that, that group is ready. Now, hang with me. Now, if birds are in position, <laughs> fish are in position, the Temple Mount Institute's in position, what's the church doing? These people are not even born again yet, but yet they're in position for a change that's coming. How much more the church should be in position for a change that's coming? What's the protocol for the rapture of the church? That's to be busy doing the will of God and having so much radical joy on your face that you look like something's wrong with you. How many of you were sad the day you got married? Come on, if you, if you were bummed out the day you got married, you may have made a mistake. Come on, it should be, the excitement gets more and more exciting as, as you get close to the wedding. 
Come on. So if we can think that way naturally, how much more about the King of kings and the Lord of lords? All right, quickly, let's go from signs. We've got tons of signs. There's many, many signs. My favorite one is Aerosmith's lead singer, Stephen Tyler, got saved. I think when Aerosmith's getting born again, that's the last sign. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> no, but let's go to signals. There's many other signs. There's tons of signs that you look at that are so kind of the Lord. Now remember, all this is because He loves you. All this information is He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. He wants you happy. I mean, the day Colleen and I got married, uh, I had my best man take a gift to her while they were getting all their makeup on. They had the bridesmaids all getting ready in the house they were getting ready. I had Colleen, uh, my best man take Colleen a little gift from Tiffany's. And then I had one of my buddies play the piano out in the backyard, uh, Colleen's favorite songs. I wanted that day to be special for her. If I think like that, how much more Jesus thinks like that for you? Come on, he wants you excited, expectant, and happy. All of this info is to go, wow, I'm about to see him. I'm about to see. So let's go to signals for a minute because there's so much you can get into. But let's, let's go for about five minutes on signals because I preached too long. Man, oh man, there's so much info. It's hard to get it all in, but we can do it. We can do it. Signals. Okay, what are the signals? Okay, if you're driving from here to Orlando and once you get into Orlando, you don't need signs telling you're there. You're tra- you've got traffic signals. You're in town. So what do we have? We had signals. The Bible says in Genesis that the planets would be for signals. It says signs in, in the King James, but in the Hebrew, it's actual signals. Okay, you had blood red moons a few years ago. When? On Passover and tabernacles. That's a pretty big deal. Okay, so what's Passover? When he died for us? Tabernacles is when the second coming is going to be. He'll come back and tabernacle with men. So the heavens had blood red moons on, I died for you, I'm coming back. (laughs) I died for you, I'm coming back. Pretty amazing. So we had four in a row. NASA calls it a tetrad. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and tabernacles? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. And what happened? God raised up Columbus to sail the ocean blue in 1492 to raise up a nation called America to be a safe harbor for the Jews. So in conjunction with that, blood red moons. Those are indicators. People say, well, nothing happened on the blood moons. Just like when you turn your blinker on, you're not turning yet. You're saying, I'm about to turn. The blood red moons are God's about to come back to the planet. You can't get much more blatant than that. That's kind of a no-brainer, okay? Okay, after that, that's pretty cool. After that, you got the Bethlehem star. You don't hear a lot of preaching on that, but at the birth of Jesus, the Magi uh, could tell by the stars that a king was going to be born. What were the stars? Jupiter, king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, a mother planet. At the birth of Jesus, all three of them came together. Can you imagine? I like to ride motorcycles. Can you imagine telling your buddies, okay, we're going to go for a a 22-day ride, and when we get there, you're going to see some stars. My buddies would go, it better be over the top. My buddies would go, it better be shining like you ain't never seen before in your life. This is a long time to go. They rode by camel, not by motorcycle. By camel, they go from a rock all the way to Jerusalem and go into Bethlehem. There it is. Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star. What was the constellation? Virgo, because of the virgin birth. Last year, NBC Nightly News. So we have a celestial event, Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, you got many, many more things happening with the signals that are crazy. So God's basically going, okay, you got signs and you got signals. He's basically saying, I'm coming back. So it should produce such joy. There should be such joy that you're about to see Jesus. 
I mean, the Lord told me in 1987 to preach on end times. I said, I don't want to do that because I equated it with weirdness, you know. And uh, then he appeared to me again in 1990, standing there right in front of me in this friend of mine's office, white robe on, olive green sash, and just looked at me, wasn't critiquing me, not judging me, not analyzing me. Basically, I love you just the way you are, but you, you need to preach what I want you to preach. Man, the next Sunday, I jumped over the chairs. I ran over the chairs. I even got me a helmet with a siren. I don't use it very often, but I think I need it. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back. So you have those. Now, this last signal, don't, don't, shoot, don't shoot the messenger. Okay, so let me give you the, uh, the last one that's pretty crazy. Okay, hang with me. We'll, cl- we'll close with this. This is really cool. Then we'll come back tonight. Okay, think about uh, President Trump. Uh, midway through his presidency, uh, I was preaching in Birmingham, as a matter of fact. And on that day in January 21st of that year, two years ago, there was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon. When Trump was born, there was a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. All right? When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. Okay? I don't have time this morning, but we, uh, the rapture is going to be on Feast of Trumpets. The coming of the Lord is going to be on Feast of Trumpets. Pretty cool. We'll, we'll prove that out tonight. Uh, that you can kind of tell, because all the feasts are fulfilled in a row, and that's the next one to be fulfilled, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Gatherings. It's the beginning of a coronation of a king. We're going to go to the private ceremony, and there's a public ceremony at the second coming. So Feast of Trumpets is when the Lord's coming back. It's pretty cool, and I'm not adamant about that, but every September I'm paying attention. Hallelujah. (laughs) My mom brought me up in 1970. We went and heard Kenneth Hagin in 1970. She said, hey, every day Jesus is coming tonight. He is? Really? I mean, it freaked me out. But I went to bed every night, Lord, I love you. I mean, it scared me so bad. <laughs> so you can either be haughty or humble, so you might as well just go, I want to be ready. But, but the Lord's coming back on Feast of Trumpets, and listen to the, our president's name and vice president's name. President Trump and Vice President Pence, Trumpets. The president and vice president's name mean the coming of the Lord. That's pretty radical. Who would have told you 25 years ago, oh, just before the coming of the Lord, the president of the United States and his vice president, their names will mean... God's coming to the planet. So, whether people are comfortable with that or not, it really doesn't matter. That's just facts. Uh, Look at our nation and what our nation's call is to be a strong nation, to have liberty and justice and freedom, peace and security, the gospel going all over the earth. I hear people say, what's God going to do with America? I'll tell you exactly what God's going to do with America. You can't sow uh, the gospel into all the world and not reap in your own land. Come on, our, our nation is sown. Every nation I go to, there's a crazy American there preaching the gospel. You can go in the middle of nowhere, and there's a crazy American. Why? We've sown into all the earth, so we have a reaping season coming. So, so God set your life up to be reapers right here at the very end. Amen, we're so privileged. I mean, it's without fanfare. I, I, I think we all want capes and want Batman and want Superman and want all that, but it's really not like that. He's into sowing the seed, sowing and sowing and sowing, and it's without fanfare, but God, Jesus of Nazareth, is coming back. The one who was and is and is to come. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, a greater one than Solomon is here. Jesus, Redeemer, King, Shepherd and Bishop of our souls. The brightness of the glory of God. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. We're so privileged. And I know all of this, and I'm stopping right now, all of this because he loves you. Let that be drilled in your heart is because he loves you so much. 
He wants you filled with joy. Feel perfect love casts out fear. When you know God loves you, God before you, who could be against you? Come on. So use your authority. Use the name of Jesus. Set your life up for, for the Holy Spirit to flow through you, gifts of the Spirit. Two things about uh, not to be ignorant about right before the coming of the Lord, gifts of the Spirit and coming of the Lord. Two things he said don't be misinformed about. Why? Just before the coming of the Lord, it's an outflow mentality. So let's bow our heads before we go. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for all these signals and signs and changes in the earth getting ready for your Son to be manifested. We're amazed somewhere someone prayed for all of us and that's why we're here. Thank you for dying for us, Lord. We take these, these signs and these information and we, we call it fuel to run our race. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.